Simone. Welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 29. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, big welcome back to anyone who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. So this week's podcast with Leo Gauthier was so much fun. Uh, we got to meet in person, which is just extra special uh, to get to meet someone and talk to them and um, just had so much fun. Uh, we start off in the beginning, you know, it's always a good place to start with Leo's first show at the Centrum in Worcester, where the music never stopped. And we go all the way through to present day, where the music still hasn't stopped, where Leo is really involved with producing shows in Massachusetts and continuously bringing the music to the people. Uh, it's a lot of music, a really fun podcast. Leo picked out some really amazing jams, and I tried my hand at a little editing to uh, to keep the podcast at an hour and a half. So hopefully everybody will enjoy all of the music, and also the Companion Only Guide is almost an hour and a half this week. So, so much fun stuff. Uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, you can check out any back archive episodes on the website www.strangerstoppingstrangers.com and uh, always feel free to uh, send me a note. Love to hear from you. So thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week. Well, Leo, welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers. Thank you. It's like to be doing this with you, Stacey. So, listeners, this is one of my in-person um, conversations, which are so much better than the ones over the phone. I mean, it's it's great to talk to everyone or anyone that I get to talk to, but when you get to do it in person and you get to meet and you get to look at each other, it's just uh, it's just a whole nother level. So, thank you for for meeting me, and uh, this just is so fun. Yeah, it is. It's my pleasure, and it is fun. It is fun. The the joys of both living in Massachusetts. So, um, yeah. There are some. <laughs> yeah, and there are some joys of living in Massachusetts, even on even in January. So, we are we are actually sitting in the car. We did a little uh, recognizance and tried to tried to meet in a hotel and here and there, but we want the clearest sound for you listeners. So we are sitting like a couple of creeps, like my last uh, in person one in the fed in the car. We can be sure that the acoustics are all the best. So. Um, so here we are. Well, I'm not a creep, but I play one on TV. But. <laughs> it's still daylight, so I feel safe, listeners. Uh, hopefully, this will air. But uh, anyway, so I want to. So I'm excited. I want to hear the stories. We've chatted. We've gotten got to know each other a little bit. But I want to hear the stories, and, and, and more importantly, want to share the stories with all the listeners. So, um, so tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into this uh, crazy world. Uh, probably one of the best. Uh, Stories any deadhead can tell is their introduction to the Grateful Dead scene. I mean, I love talking about it like most of us do. Um, 1983, I got on the bus. Um, funny, I, you know, kind of was around the Southern rock kind of scene and like that kind of music, loved the Allman Brothers and knew about the dead and was getting turned on to them little by slowly. Um, by the time I was 15, um, the music taste really started to change, and I started to, you know, see what was going on, uh, where music has come from, with the Jimi Hendrix and the Doors, and the Grateful Dead fell into that picture. So, you know, uh, I was always interested in, where, you know, where they came from, but I didn't know much about them. Fifteen years old, you don't know much about anything anyway. 
But you think you do. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, um, my, my, my mom, and uh, happy birthday, mom. She's going to be 70 tomorrow. Um, happy birthday, mom. She's, uh, took me to my first concert in 78. And, uh, the live music thing just was, I was all about it at that point. Um, so moving forward up to 1983, I, you know, being a, I think it was a sophomore in high school. I, f- I was 15 and, um, might have been a freshman actually, but, um, I got a call when I got home from school that day that a friend of hers at work had an extra ticket, uh, for the Grateful Dead, uh, who were playing two shows at the Centrum in Worcester, um, it was 1020 and 102183. Um, she said that, uh, Gabe had an extra ticket. And that if I wanted it, I would, you know, um, it was mine. I just had to meet him in 45 minutes in front of City Hall in downtown Worcester. Doable. Uh, yeah, it was, I was on that bus. <laughs> and it, literally, I got on the bus at that point and, uh, zipped downtown in the bus and, uh, met up with Gabe out front of City Hall. And in downtown Worcester had, uh, never seen a circus like this, you know, at this point. So I got to be part of it, you know, and immediately started having fun. You know, Gabe uh, knew my mother well from work, and the next words he said to me after I met up with him off the bus was, we're not going to talk to your mother about this, and I know that you probably already did it, so let's go smoke a joint and get ready for the show. <laughs> Perfect way to christen. Oh, my God, it was it was great. And, you know, the central was like a block away, and being stoned, I got to walk into a whole new scene of people, smiles, smells, colors, and everything. It was just like, wow. You know, what's going on here? This is totally cool, you know. Um, and then just proceeded to walk around and, and enjoy uh, everybody enjoying each other. Yeah. You know, there's just that peaceful feeling that was going on. and uh, Everyone's exactly where they want to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I was just figuring out that this is where I wanted to be for the rest of my life. And that's what ended up happening, actually. But, um, you know, it was uh, very, very exciting. I mean, the way everything happened... Um, I got into, you know, uh, the Centrum and uh, found our seats. And then I immediately just was like, uh, I'm going to go walk around and discover what's going on here and meeting people. And waiting in line for the bathroom, I got to talking with a brother who uh, I ended up telling was my, you know, told, telling him it was my first show. And he was excited and um, offered me a little square tab of something that I'd never seen before. And he said that that's what most of us are doing here tonight. So I gratefully accepted <laughs> And that was it. Like, you know, I think of within 35 minutes later, I was, uh, in another world and, um, the music started playing and, uh, by no coincidence, it was the music never stopped. And the music never stopped. And it hasn't since. Yeah. No. And it was just, I couldn't, uh, after that show, it was, um, it was on. Yeah. It was on. I remember listening to, um, you know, the, uh, the New Year's simulcast that year from uh, the Civic Auditorium. And just Maria Meldawa was part of that show. And I was just like, oh, my God, these guys are involved with everybody. And I was sleeping out for tickets for the spring tour, in, for 84 spring tour, uh, and just started meeting people. Wow. A lot of those people I'm still very close with today um, who are still in the area. Um, I was very fortunate to meet a lot of heads that were a lot older than me. Um that really took me under their wing mm-hmm. and uh, brought me to shows and, uh, you know, watched out for me. They kept me away from scenes that might have got me in trouble. And, you know, it was like, basically, don't do those people's drugs. 
Oh, come on. We know some better people right. there. We're not telling you not to do drugs. Just don't do their drugs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. no. I mean, it's, uh, we wish we had the Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder for everything, right? And I mean, and it's, that's where I feel like I was very fortunate. I yeah. had some kind, sweet brothers and sisters that totally took me under their wing like the little brother that I, that I was. And, you know, yeah. um, yeah, that was it, you know. That was it. It was on. <laughs> well, let's go in and hear it. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna start. I mean, this is just a natural. The first song for this podcast is, uh, the music never stops. So we're gonna, we're gonna go in and play this. And, uh, this is from October 21st, 1983. And, uh, from the Worcester Centrum. From the Worcester Centrum. So, uh, let's throw it back and enjoy. And there are a lot more stories. So we will pick out a few and, uh, take you further down the line. So everybody enjoy. Come on. 
Well, welcome back from listening to The Music Never Stopped, which is just, I mean, there, there are so many favorites, but that's always a favorite. I mean, it's... Oh, absolutely. It tells the story right there. Yeah, it tells the story. And it, it and that was only like, that was, I mean, 81. I mean, that's the, the music is, that's a long time that the music still hasn't stopped, you know? That's, yeah. that's... They probably yeah. felt they were midway through, and they hadn't even begun, you know? Oh, yeah, it was 83. 83, 83. 83, I don't know. You know, I look back at it now and say, geez, you know, uh, at that point, they hadn't even been 20 years into it, and it's weird to think back at, at this point in time. Yeah. How actually, you know, it was back then. 35 years ago. Right. 34 <laughs> years ago. No, it's a, it's insane. And I love that song because I love the way the song is so conducive to different people jumping in and singing. You know, I mean, Bob's on vocals, but, you know, the Donna years or the Brent years. Or, there's so many different parts of that song, too, that are that that I love hearing what different people bring to it. Oh, come on, people. Come on and clap your hands. Yeah. Get the yeah. whole place rocking. Yeah, it's, it's the best. <laughs> they opened up with a, when my sister and I went to Fenway to see Dead and Company last summer, they, um, second song in was that, and then Donna joined. Mm. And I had never seen special. Donna before. And that was, were you there? That, that oh, was, yeah. uh, I mean, like to see her get on with that, that, that was, that was a moment. That was that my was... thirteen-year-old's first show, actually. Wow. He's yeah. fourteen now, but that was uh, that was his. <laughs> that was a yeah. moment. That was that was awesome. Oh, he loved it, and he's on the bus now. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I, we have some songs to play, and I think that we could just talk and talk and digress. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna get us, I'm gonna get us back in our seats. Um, so it is now 1983. Music never stopped. First show. So tell me. I mean, this obviously affected your life quite a bit so tell me a little bit about you know what came next <laughs> yeah affected my life in the, in the best way possible um i i remember um my mom making me get up to go to school the next day you know <laughs> after my first you know dead show and tripping and stuff but you know what um i don't really think that i slept at all that night anyway and uh just going back into school that day with that glow and, and meeting up with a couple of other kids it was probably only two or three other deadheads in the trade school that i went to in Worcester. Um, but we immediately had this bond after that. Sure. Um, you know, and, um, geez, it was, you know, from there, it was just, um, you know, uh, I, re I remember um, listening to the uh, the New Year's Eve simulcast from 1983 from the, the, uh, the Civic Center and um, in uh, San Francisco. And, uh, and that was it, man. I, I was... Uh, Looking for information and people, and how do I get to my next one, and how do I get tickets, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it was sleeping out for tickets for, um, you know, I think uh, I think it was Hartford, um, tickets uh, for the spring tour, and um, I ended up meeting a whole host of friends that I'm still, still very close with today. They were actually very, they were much older than me at the time, and they really took me under their wing, and as a little brother, and... Um, so now did you tour, so we're 84, 85, 86, I know the next show we're going to talk about is 87, but did you, you know, travel around the Northeast, did you go down to like Philly and, and out and about, and so what? Yeah, at the, you know, um, until 86, I was, um, until 86, I was um, in the New England area, when the Grateful Dead would come around New England or Saratoga or something, it was pretty much to that um, extent of my shows, but, you know, from 83, 286. There's a lot of stuff in New England. There was a lot of stuff going on and, you know, by the time 86 rolled around I had already gone to see the Grateful Dead, you know, 35 um, plus times. Right. You know, and that, you know, my poor mom would quite often get phone calls because I was away 
and just be like, what do you mean you're in Augusta, Maine, or something right, like that, right. you know? But, um, you know. Yeah, I have Maine and, and Springfield. I mean, they played Springfield quite a bit, oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, that was, that's just a little hop, skip, and a jump away. Right, yeah, 88, you know, 84, looking at shows that I went to would be, you know, like, um, Saratoga in 84, um, you know, Hartford Civic Center, the, the Worcester Centrum, the Augusta Civic Center, you know, um, we went out to, um, Vermont? We didn't go, no, I didn't go to any Vermont shows in 84. I don't even think that the Grateful Dead played there in 84, but, um, geez, you know, it gets to be a blur, whereas yeah. some of the other shows with, and then I get... A lot of good shit. <laughs> a lot, lot of good, a lot, lot of good shit. A lot of good shit was, a lot of good shit was seen. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to get off topic, but were you at the Saratoga with the guy that was dangling off the, uh, the get off the rafters? That was 1985, absolutely. Bobby got up in the microphone and was telling the guy to hang off there. Yeah. yeah. Stop hanging off those balconies. Or something like that, yeah. My friend Michael, hey Michael, is listening to this. That was his first show, and we have talked about that. And actually, we played a song from uh, from from Michael's podcast from that. So yeah. hey. <laughs> so funny, hey Michael. Hey Michael. So, so fun to talk about all this stuff, but you know, pro just progressive. Through as time was walking on, when I was meeting more people. I grew up behind a college, Clark University in Worcester, and met a whole bunch of kids you know, that would do the same thing. They'd take off and their parents wouldn't know, but they had a car or whatever, you know, probably using their parents' allowance to go on tour. <laughs> but, um, like, does your mom know you're coming with us? Of course she does. And away we went, yeah. you know, Portland, Maine, or wherever it might have been, you know. So then we get to New York City. So tell me a little bit about this. So the, the next show that I do, I, uh, we, you picked that, uh, that I am downloading for this podcast is, uh, is in um, September of 1987. So tell me a little bit about this show. The, if you don't mind me backing up just a little no, bit here. No, please. 86, I graduated from high school. Okay. And um, went on that summer tour. And that was pretty much my full tour, uh, first full tour. And, uh, you know, as we all know, Jerry fell very sick and went into a coma. And I don't know, something told me that he was going to be okay. And I immediately went up to the Worcester Airport and bought airline tickets for what was to be my first trip to the west coast oh wow i was going to be there for new year's and i did it oh wow yeah by myself nobody wanted to go with me so i but i ended up meeting up with some friends out there and um i i got i did my mail order and i got tickets for the first three shows but i, got, I didn't get new year's and obviously it was a tough ticket they were playing the you know the old oakland auditorium uh, the kaiser center um and uh a friend of mine had some friends that uh, had uh, an extra set of tickets for the first three shows. He was like, why don't you buy those? You'll, you'll get a great trade for New Year's. And that's what I did. I went out there. Um, it was, uh, um, I was a drunken mess because I was drinking on the plane with a bunch of other deadheads that were hanging out to the show. And um, just uh, the, the way everything happened when I got there, it was funny. Um, it, it worked out so well. I, I ended up going down to the Kaiser Center that next morning after getting there, and there's a huge line wrapped around it. I asked what was going on, and the person told me the tickets were going on sale for the first three shows, and that was it. I went up to the um, last person in line, told them about my trade for the first three shows, but one New Year's, it was done, wow. and I was in. 
walked out to the park, met Bill Graham. Things just kept getting better, wow. you know. <laughs> you had told me about the Bill Graham about that. So you he was he was walking around and you just said hey and I just introduced him to you know myself to him, Mister. You know, it was this eighteen year old kid. Hi, Mister Graham. You know, <laughs> and uh, he was so kind and asked where I was from and welcomed me to you know California and. Um, made sure that I knew that there was volleyball games going in on inside to get involved with it, which I didn't actually. But um, yeah, that 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 for that New Year's run was so fun, and you know, from there it was just uh, more and more and more again. Yeah, you know, meeting more people, going to more shows, and having more fun. Yeah, you know, right on. Right on. Yeah. Well, so back to New York. Back to New York. Back to New York. Okay. Let's hear one more story. Let's play some music. Back to New York. So, yeah, all right. So we're, we're fast forwarding to uh, the fall tour of 87. Uh, Correct. Which was a ripping, ripping tour. And I, um, you know, uh, it was um, the last shows for me on that tour with Madison Square Garden. We went to um, the last three, actually. We didn't go to all of them. Um, but um, 918.87 stood out for me and still does um and i actually couldn't believe what i was hearing that night the shakedown street exploded the roof off of madison square garden and um what sticks out particularly for me along with 5877's morning dew and uh 1012.84's morning dew which i was at that one as well um is the 1019.87 show from madison square garden the morning dew on that is unbelievable and it's just it still raises the hair in the back of my neck every time i listen to it <laughs> oh, well i'm one of the greatest things about this podcast is i get to hear i was telling you earlier all this music that i i wouldn't necessarily be looking for because there's i mean there's just so much i mean i think on the archives when i first looked at the website it was ten thousand concerts that were available you know so mm. it's it's so wonderful to have a guided guide you know to to what you want to hear and why you want to hear it and, and the songs behind it so oh yeah no, I, quite often it. quite often i'll i'll just pick a show out and listen to it and you know obviously i can keep listening to it or if i like it or, or not but uh, when i find those shows that are just gems i will ab- throw it right up on facebook listen to this one yeah you know and some and the fun thing is because we do what we do is i'll get an immediate response Check this one out and yeah, let me yeah. know what you think. You trading know? cards. Right. It's like, it's like when we were trading tapes. Now all you got to do is trade the date and you pull it off the internet and we live in a great time for that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, let's go in and play it. And then, uh, we have a couple more gems that we are going to, uh, polish up and, uh, and a few more stories to go with them. So we are going to go to Madison Square Garden and this is on September 18th, 1987. A beautiful morning dew. Enjoy.
We're back from Madison Square Garden listening to Morning Dew. And, I mean, there are so many stories. We we cannot walk through, you know, 87 all the way to 95 because you were on tour most of the time, correct? And that's it. I, when I wasn't uh, working jobs here and there, I was... um. I was on tour. Okay. Well, give me a, give me a couple of like high spots. Okay. How about this? We'll go 87. So, cause the next song, the, the, the next song that we're going to play for you listeners is going to come from 95. So we've got from 87 to 95. So let's play a game. I'm going to shout out a year and then you're just going to tell me like a quick, like what shows stood out in your mind or like what city or something. From 88 up to 95, and then we'll talk about 95 and play that. Absolutely. That's so, fun. This so is a good let's game. let's do this. We'll do, uh, <laughs> we'll do speed round of 87 to 95, uh, because, mm. uh, for, for essence of time. So, okay. 1988. 1988. Um, the full summer tour. Um, unbelievable time. Um, Alpine Valley was hot as a firecracker every day. Um, the shows were on fire, all sorts of breakouts and, Got to see that, um, the Blackbird. Um, but I think if you talk about 88 and, and it shows and stuff like that, I probably the funnest time was had on the same tour up in, um, Oxford Plains, um, Maine when Little Feet opened up for the dead two nights. Okay. Just, uh, <laughs> that was in high okay, 89, 89, high spot, 89. High spot in 89, Jesus, the, there's so many high spots, it's crazy. Um, 89 was such a ripping year. Um, and, um, I was actually living on the West coast out in San Francisco at the time. So, um, you know, I, between the Greek theater and, um, you know, frost amphitheater and shoreline, it's a real tough, tough one to pull. And I was bouncing around at that time too. So I, I, uh, I will second that emotion. Absolutely. 89. Well, there was, you know, I gotta say probably 89, they going to, um, being able to hang out in San Francisco as a lot of you folks know who do live out in the Bay, um, how fortunate, um, it was to be a deadhead living in that area. Um, went to a, uh, a benefit for the local artists, the artist being Stanley Mao's victim of and, you know, um, and all those cats that were doing incredible things, Rick Griffin, um, all the musicians got together and, uh, put a benefit on for those cats. And, you know, Jerry and Bob played and, um, and it was a very small venue. Um, well, like a big artisan gallery, um, country Joe, um, and the fish played, um, John Cipollina was there, just a, a bunch of old heavyweights that just gathered to do some cool stuff. And I actually met Herbie Green, um, the dad's photographer, uh, at that show. And, and, and still friends. And we're still friends today. Yeah. Herbie's a great guy. And, um, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> Herbie, I met Herbie through a mutual friend and his first question was, uh, I heard you got some good weed. <laughs> it's always a good question to lead with. Absolutely. That's always a good place to start yeah. and then see where you go. From yeah, there. And Herbie took Every me, time. Herbie took me upstairs to, to smoke it. We were actually up in the elevator at this place and looked at me because he didn't know me. He was like, just be cool, please. <laughs> <laughs> and we were surrounded by everybody that was playing, including Jerry and stuff. I was like a kid in, on Christmas morning. I you like know. that. Yeah. Okay, speed rod, 1990. 1990. 1990, um, geez, you know, the, uh, living out in San Francisco still in the move to, to come back here, um, was back on the East Coast and, um, you know, 1990 spring tour was just so explosive with, with Brent, as yeah. all of us remember, um, that we were doing tour at that point. Um, 
But, um, you know, I got to say, in 1990, what stands out was, you know, it wasn't even the dead plan. It was uh, going to see Crosby, Stills, and Nash in the Grateful Dead up at uh, Rich Stadium um, up in Buffalo. And um, during uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash set, listening to Graham Nash singing Our House and stopped. He stopped singing at one point, and the crowd was singing Our House. And Jerry was standing Aww. on the side of the stage, bopping along with the band, you know, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash while they were playing. It was a beautiful scene to see all these cats out there, you know. Yeah. And you know, they, they've been friends since they were kids, you know. Yeah. But great show. Absolutely fantastic show. Uh, 1990, that, that show sticks out in my uh, in my head the most, I think. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's beautiful. Is it 91? 91. Um, well, the whole transition with losing Brent, which um, was so sad, Um it was it was tough going, you know, uh, the fall tour. I actually, um, I I had tickets for Madison Square Garden and multiple other shows, and I decided that I just didn't want to do it. It was a big moment. I mean, it was a really big moment. I mean, I remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. I mean, it was a game changer at the time, and, yeah. and it is a, it was a game changer. I mean, now in retrospect, looking back, you know, again, more than twenty five years later, I mean, you it really did end it was an end of a chapter you yeah. know and i don't i think we you you knew it and then the band kept playing on but in looking back now it's so i don't know well okay you know um so i mean 91 my first shows in 91 were the, the new year's run um you know uh the 90-91 New Year's run. I, I was there. Yeah. That was my first New Year's show. I was there. And that was, that was Bill's last New Year's show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. So, you know, we went out there. And, I mean, that whole run of shows was unbelievable. You know, um, Branford Marsalis and um, being out and about. And, um, you know, it, it ended up being a great time. It comes a time uh, stands out in my head from that run um, as well, which was always a treat to hear. Um but you know, at that point, it was just, um, it was starting to get, um, I, I was, I had seen the dead over a hundred times at that point, and, um, you know, I was start, I, I ended up, uh, starting a family, and, um, it, 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 the shows just started getting limited, you know, to how many that I was going to. Absolutely. You know. Well, let's, uh, well, let's go, let's go to the next pick. So let's go up to 95. Let's, uh, let's go to, cause the, the 95, I mean, this is really poignant. And, um, and the song that you pick is really poignant into your life and around it. So what I want to talk about after we play the song. So tell me about uh, June 22nd, 1995. Let's go to that. Um, June 2nd, uh, June 22nd, 1995 was the last Grateful Dead show that I saw um, with, uh, you know, Jerry before he passed. And uh, it was, uh, I got just this whole, you know, uh, I don't know, just very fond memories of, I got a, uh, a Music Never Stopped, which was always, it, it continued to be a favorite from being the first song that I heard the Grateful Dead do, and, um. Very full circle. Very full circle. So they ended the first set with, you know, uh, Music Never Stopped, and then they came out and did my favorite combination, uh, that the Grateful Dead does, help, uh, slip Frank. And, you know, I couldn't have been more happy. I could have gone home after that, so to speak. You know, obviously I didn't, but, um, and I got to do it from the front row. Thanks, Grable Dead Ticket salespeople. Right on. <laughs> you know, I was up, up front with a bunch of friends for my last show, which, and we got beautiful pictures from that show. Actually, my friend, my friend Connie Mason took such fantastic pictures from that show that, um, Mike Delgushkin and those folks that do, um, the Dead Base ended up featuring one of her, uh, photographer, uh, photographs, um, from that show. 
Wow. Jerry. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, I, I've been paying, singing Helps Lit Franklin a lot in my mind lately. It's funny how you have different times where you have different songs that are just playing, you know, all the time. I had somebody recently email me and they said favorite song. And I said, oh, well, that is impossible, you know, but but each week or each month, you know, there'll be there'll be days where you'll have a favorite song and then it'll switch to another favorite song. And and uh, both all three of those. Well, not, you know, that whole that whole jam has been in my mind a lot lately. Yeah, that that jam, the Slipknot jam in particular has always been like one of my favorite Lose your marble jams too. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's play this, and then on the note of Slipknot, I want to talk a little bit more when we get back. And then the last, uh, the last one we picked is a uh, a song, a wonderful song, and the story around it, but not a show that that is an experience show. So we're gonna we're gonna turn the podcast on its side a little bit. So so this is uh, gonna go into June twenty second, nineteen ninety five. Helps with Franklin. And, you know, when the songs are longer than 10 minutes, I try to get them down. But I got to get the slipknot in. So I'm going to do the full help, the full slipknot. And then I, I might cut back the Franklins a little bit. And then, of course, as always, anything I cut back is available on the companion listening guide on the website. So everybody enjoy. Yeehaw.
Well, now back from listening to Help Slip Franklin, and this was in June of 95, and we strategically placed the song at the end. Well, not that strategic, because it was the end of the line with the Grateful Dead and Cherry, so that was, that is that, but it was not the end of the line for you, because clearly the music has not stopped, so tell me a little bit about what went on, uh, what went on a little down the line. Um, geez, well, it, that- 622.95 being my last show, and that helps with Franklin's. Obviously, it wasn't my favorite version of Helps with Franklin, but it was very special and dear in my heart that that was the last one I got to see, you know, at my last show, uh, being my favorite combo. But, you know, it wasn't long, actually, after that, um, getting through the sadness, of, you know, that we all felt when we lost Jerry, um, that um, I'd been hanging out with a band, the local band called Slipknot, um, you know, around Worcester Mass scene and uh, surrounding towns, and you know, if it wasn't slipped out, we were going to see Max Creek or the Allman Brothers or something. Um, but um, it, it, somehow or another, in the middle of a, uh, a private party, um, late night, that Slipknot had played at some friend's house um, <laughs> down in Carlisle, Massachusetts, um, uh, through a giggle mess that we were all, um, somebody brought up the, that they thought that I should be the new manager of this band Slipknot. Um, and that immediately I took a hold of that and started, uh, taking everything that I felt, learned and, uh, seen from being a deadhead. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to carry that. I wanted to carry that special feeling, um, that we had all, you know, felt, you know, out to people that were, you know, missing the music to people who had never heard the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it a was a conduit. Yeah, I felt like you know, I definitely. Uh, that, that's one of the things I feel like I was placed in it was to to be a conduit of the Grateful Dead music to, uh, you know, to the rest of the family and new folks. You know, um, so I started managing this band and came up with a uh, a business plan to get them, uh, you know, play in bigger venues. Uh, you know, expand their audience and stuff. And um, you know, the timing was perfect. Actually, people needed it. And um, we started putting shows together, and slowly but surely, they gradually grew into a very, very popular band in the Worcester, Boston area, um, which led into some other relationships with uh, Butch Trucks, God rest his soul, um, coming in to play with Slipknot one night and uh, at Johnny D's um, in Somerville, and uh, and then eventually getting involved with, um, you know, Dick Latvala and the Dick's Pick CD releases, um, we did a uh, Dick's Pick CD release party at the Wonderland Ballroom, um, which just went over fantastic. Got to meet Dick, and we became immediate friends. Uh, and Dave Gans was part of that as well. Um, and uh, you know, we ended up putting on several shows at you know larger venues, um, you know, in the area, and they would sell out immediately. Um, and then you know, in the uh, continuing friendship between Dick Lodvaller and myself, we had lots of late night conversations. They were always fun. Uh, Dick was always up late night partying. And uh, we got into talking about Scarlet Fire and uh, how special that was. And we talked about our favorite versions. And um, my favorite version of Scarlet Fire was one that I never got a chance to see. But it was from um, 11179 from the Nassau Coliseum um, that a friend had actually turned me on to back in when I lived out in San Francisco. And the first time I heard it, I was doing laundry and I almost fell over uh, how good it was. The jam in between the, uh, you know, the uh, the Scarlet Fire is just, it's unbelievable what Brent and Jerry does all they give. The whole band is just, it's, it's crazy. Fun, nuts. 
Um, it's still one of my favorite things to listen to. And oddly enough, it being on the East Coast, it had that, um, for all you folks that have been out the, to the West Coast and back and forth, you know the difference with the shows. Um, it had that West Coast mellow, melodical feeling to it. Um, and it just goes out there. It's just always been one of my favorites since. But um, I kind of got lost in my thoughts now. <laughs> but, um, so you're with Dick at the Dick's parties, and yeah, you guys are talking late night. You're partying. You're talking about music. Yeah, yeah. No, so that whole scene just kept going on and on, you know, um, with uh, – bringing shows together um, with Slipknot and branching out with working with other bands. And um, oddly enough, a metal band came into play called Slipknot and uh, we had to change the name, went to court, all that stuff. It was kind of funny, but they're now known as The Knot and they're still playing um, and still continuing to, um, you know, uh, put shows together up here in the Worcester area. Actually, I just started doing it again um, back on Labor Day weekend and it's been uh it's been so fun, and um, we just recently did a show, a benefit show for Buddy Cage, um, the pedal steel guitarist from the New Riders of Purple Sage, who was uh, battling cancer. So um, he came out and played with a whole bunch of bands at a beautiful place in Worcester called the Bull Mansion uh, to raise some money for him, which we did. And uh, I don't know, all sorts of great connections have happened over the years. You know, Buddy Cage being a huge you know, part of that, he played with Slipknot for many years, and that's how I actually met uh, Buddy. Um, Without love and the dream, it'll never come true. And it just keeps happening, you know? No, no, it does. (laughs) The dream just keeps happening. No, it does. Well, we're going to play that special Scarlet Fire, and you have done it to me two songs in a row now. So this is going to go over, because I cannot now separate this beautiful Scarlet Begonia's Fire on the Mountain. Let me just throw in, let me just throw in here with the Scarlet Fire, because it ties into what Dick Latvala had done. Um, so the Dick's Picks CD release party uh, for Dick's Picks 13, um, three CD set. Um, when it came out, he was like, the second CD, I put something on there for you. Ah, um, so cool. you have, yeah, and a lot of you know that's our, this already, but if you listen to the, the second CD on a, uh, Dick's Picks 13, at the end of the, uh, the, 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 the second CD, you have, there's a space between the last song, um, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, but then the Scarlet Fire, he put it on there for me as a little, oh, gift. little, little gift at the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It, it is awesome. <laughs> well, so that's what we're going to play. And again, I know this podcast is going to go long because I cannot chop this one up either. So everybody enjoy. And this is, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen some polls with, you know, what's your favorite jam and Slipknot, you know, helps at Franklin and Scarlet Fire. And we, you and I were talking recently about, you lost sailors, same circumstances. I mean, these these jams, you you just can't pick a favorite. I mean, they're just it's so they're, hard. They're, they're so special. So they're all so good. <laughs> so everybody enjoy, and then we're going to be back for a little uh, sign off and goodbye. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, back from our final song selection, and we have just had so much fun. This is this is the the first of many in person meetings, I am sure. This has been a ball, and I, I'm glad to be no, part of number twenty nine. <laughs> number twenty nine, number twenty nine. No, this is uh, this is so fun. Number twenty nine. I think this is number four in person. So, um, but again, just it's just so cool and and we're you know we're local so that means we're gonna get to see shows together and dance and i and you are doing shows so t- tell everyone a little bit about coming and uh and, and seeing some more of what you've got on how do we find you well you can find um me any of you folks can look me up on facebook on the leo gothier um and then there's leo gothier productions has okay, a separate spell your last name g-a-u-t-h-i-e-r I will put this on the website. We've got so much good stuff going on here in Central Mass. I know there's so many pockets of us around the country that have really cool scenes going on, and uh, we definitely have the scene in New England going on in Central Mass. It's, oddly enough, it's, it's based in Worcester. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, there's so many great bands that we got playing. Playing Dead's one of them. Fenario's another one of them. You know, the Peach Eaters are blowing the roof off doing their Almond Brothers stuff, you know. Um Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, just you know, it's good stuff. So if you're in, you know, you're looking for a short a road trip, if you live in New England, come down to Worcester area and hang out with us. Or, um, you know, if you find yourself in this area, please look me up. My phone number is on uh, my Facebook page as well. I'd be psyched to hook you up and hang out with some music. Very, very cool. Well, as always, thank you everyone for tuning in, and uh, and we will uh, we will catch you next week. Bye. Hey now, folks. Bye. Bye. Cool. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.